Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars related to game design and publishing. These panels have been made possible thanks to Double Exposure and their game design convention Metatopia at Metatopia Online 2020. These panels have also been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers and moderators at this event. Now, let's get to it. Episode 298, Becoming Better Than Well-Intentioned. Presented by Kitty Striker, Spider Perry, and Evanel Wing. Hello, Metatopia. Welcome to uh, Becoming Better Than Well-Intentioned. This is a panel that is intended to be sort of a baseline and our first in a series of very low-key bystander intervention lessons for how to help nerd spaces live up to their potential and invite more people to the table. Um, I am Avanel Wing. I run Metatopia and uh, Dexcon. And I am here with Kitty Stryker and Spider Perry, who are going to introduce themselves. Kitty? Hi, I'm Kitty Stryker. Um, I'm the founder of ConsentCulture.com. And uh, I edited a book called Ask Building Consent Culture, which is a bunch of marginalized people getting together to write about what consent culture could look like in different environments, not just the bedroom. Um, I'm also uh, co-hosting a festival of consent, which will be happening at the end of November. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been doing consent activism related stuff um, in various nerd spaces. I also play a lot of tabletop RPGs. Um, and I used to be head of cosplay for GamerX. Okay, and Spider? Um, I'm Spider. Uh, my pronouns are he and they. Uh, I am a writer. I've written for uh, Onyx Path, and uh, now everything is going to fly out of my head. So I've written for a lot of different games. Um, and I'm also a consultant for um, disability inclusion and Jewish and queer inclusion. I'm also the founder of uh, Nerdy Kepi and one of the two owners of Nerdy Kepi, and we are very happy to be sponsoring Metatopia this year. Oh, did we set... I, I can't even ponder that right now. Um... <laughs> Sorry, I had con organizer brain kicked in and I was like, wait a minute, did we put the right ad on this? It's it's all good because your ad <laughs> ran on something else. <laughs> Our ad ran that. on this too. It's okay. <laughs> awesome. Um so part of the the thing that inspired me to bring us together and the thing I kind of wanted to talk about is what your experiences have been in helping people start to say, we don't do that here. Or redirecting. So it's just as an example, I had a panel earlier tonight where um, bar culture, convention bar culture came up. Mm. And I just very mildly said, ah, I'm on a one-woman crusade to move gaming business out of the bar. Um, but it can be really hard for people who haven't practiced and who are acculturated to make nice rather than make right to step in and say those things. And so I was thinking that maybe we could give people some practical suggestions and just talk about why it's important to think ahead 
about what you're going to do when you get challenged by situations where you're like, ah, did that really just happen? That was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was wondering if either of you had like some suggestions or tips that you might share with people for how to prep their brain for being ready to say those things when the time is right. Um, I'm going to apologize ahead of time. We have three dogs in the living room. So if you hear the growling and the squeaking in the background, that's that's what we have. You know, I, I think for... <laughs> I think for me, it is uh, something that I'm used to because I'm autistic. So social scripts for me are a necessity, not an option. I have to think ahead and say, okay, so what are my scripts for this? And I had to learn that in order to be able to get along with neurotypical, um, holistic, non-autistic people. Because if, if I don't, I'm lost, you know? So I think approach just the the whole concept of approaching it ahead of time and saying okay so what are some of the things that i might come up against and even when you when you come up against things to kind of um even if you don't do the best that you could have done in a particular situation not to beat yourself up over it but to look at it as a way that you have added to your script bank you know like what could i have said better in that moment don't look at it as a um I, oh, I screwed that up so bad and I'm I'm terrible, but okay, so maybe that wasn't my finest shining moment, but what have I learned from this and what can I take away from it to add to that script bank going forward? So to me, it's, it's, it's a necessary survival skill. You, you have to have it. And I'm kind of glad to see it moving out of um, autistic only spaces and into a general uh, awareness that this is a good skill to develop, I guess. Oh, that. I think it's, I, I picked it up specifically because it's part of the accessibility toolbox that right. I've gained over the year. Where right. I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense. If it works for people who are neurodivergent, we can use it for other people too. Mm-hmm. Um, Kitty, do you have suggestions? Yeah, I mean, I well, first of all, I think I end up gravitating a lot towards people who aren't uh, neurotypical because I'm like, ah, directness. I appreciate this. I'm from Massachusetts. I'm used to being very direct. Uh, now I live in California where that's not really the norm. <laughs> so um, <laughs> that can, I mean, I think that that's taught me how social environment can change how people interact with each other. Like in California, there's this real desire to soothe people in advance for any perceived slights, which is like, it comes from a nice and genuine place. But then it makes it extremely confusing to figure out what someone wants. Um, so, like, I generally err on the side of, like, very direct, like, and assuming um, that we're all acting in good faith. I generally right. assume people are acting in good faith unless otherwise proven. Right. And I find that that makes me more more forgiving in my interpretations, but it also makes me more enthusiastic to be like, oh, here's a chance for us to learn something together. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And I think that just like being enthusiastic about that is is helpful because I think I think as a society, we're very scared of messing up. Mm-hmm. And rather than embracing failure, being like, oh, cool, I get to learn this new technique or I get to learn this new thing. Um, we're like, oh no, I failed, and now I'm going to be ostracized forever. Which, I mean, can be a thing that happens. Um, and I, I think that that 
can be extremely problematic because it makes people very defensive when they're when they're called out or called in. Um, and I think it makes people feel very hesitant to stand up for themselves because they're like, oh, I don't want this to be a whole thing. I don't need this to be a 10-day Twitter thread. Like, <laughs> it's not, I'm not even going to wade into it at all. And like, um, you know, I think that that leads everyone feeling frustrated because, mm -hmm. you know, like if you're someone who messed up, but you don't know why this person's now avoiding you and like, you know, kind of get, you know, moving away from you, you're like, I, I don't, did I do something wrong? I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. And if you're not practiced in saying like, Hey, I don't know that you're aware, but you just stepped on my foot. Like maybe don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> then like both people end up feeling frustrated. So like, right. yeah, I think it's difficult to find a way to be direct. And I find that just keeping in mind that people are probably meaning well means that I don't feel the need to defend myself against others as much yeah. in either direction, whether I'm the one who messed up or if I'm the one telling somebody else that they messed up. So how might that manifest in a conversation? The assuming that people are trying their best. What what does that look like? If somebody says something that's hurtful or you or is doing something that's uncomfortable? Well, um, I mean, I'm just very I, I what I call it bearing my belly. I think of it in like like interactions between my cats, right? Like mm -hmm. when one cat flops on the ground and bears their belly to the other, it's a symbol of trust. And so for me, bearing my belly is like, hey, I don't know that you're aware, but that was kind of hurtful for me. Um, here's as much context as I feel comfortable sharing with you. Do you mind if we do it this other way instead? Or like, can we talk about it in this way? Or can we not talk about it at all? Um, if you want to talk about that further at another time, here's an opportunity for that. So like, I like to say what the thing is, say what I would like to see happen instead, and then offer maybe another time to go into it in more depth. Because usually in the moment, yep. especially if you're like playing a game, that's not the time that you want to go into a whole big thing. So it's important to like move the conversation to a better, maybe safer time. But also it's important to say like, we can still talk about this, just maybe not now. Yep. And do you feel like that... So this is a leading question. Do you feel like that let we can talk about it later gives them a chance to process the emotional reaction to being told that they were hurtful before you have to deal with their feelings for them? Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, I think it's it's a way to say it's okay that this might be confusing for you and I'm assuming that you didn't do this on purpose. I would like to talk to you about it later. I just don't think now is a good time. It's sort of like shorthand for all of that. Um, I mean, sometimes you have to just say all of that as well, and that's fine. Um, I also, like for me, I've been playing a lot of games online, and I find that PMing people privately could be a great way for me to do that so that the game could still continue. And I could be like... Hey, that turns out that that's a trigger point for me. Can we maybe do this instead? 
And then we can address it privately without anybody else at the table needing to get involved, um, which uh, can sometimes be easier. And it feels less like it's like a public forum Shaming. to discuss, yeah. you know, like, because uh, sometimes, you know, I mean, like I, I recently put my cat to sleep talking mm. about animal death uh, it would be really difficult for me in a gaming environment, but sometimes that's like part of the plot or whatever. And so like, it's nice to be able to be like, Oh, there's no reason why you should know this, but here's some information. Can we do this instead? Yep. Um, so talking about gaming spaces, uh, something you said just reminded me that one of the tools that I use um, surprisingly often is that uh, almost everybody, including non-gamers, if I go, ah, conversational X card, I like pause. I just like I need I need next card here. I will use that reflexively whether or not I'm in gaming spaces and people go, "Oh, okay." And mm. so the for me being a little bit exaggerated about it and a little bit like ah, it gives people mm -hmm. the like I know I'm being like I'm 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 bearing my belly. I'm being vulnerable. I'm I'm having a big mm. reaction, but it's me. It's me and X and I just ah, can't do that. And you I have only had one person go, what do you mean? And it was a gamer who understood that X card meant that there'd been a safety thing. And mm -hmm. he was like, what do you mean I've made an unsafe space? And I'm like, I kind of just need to assess what's happening here. Like right now I'm being a triage medic. Like there's a weird, there's body language happening. And I just like, I need this to stop for a second so I can figure it out. And he was like, Arr. but in general, in spaces, you know, I can use it with my war gamers who have never seen a safety tool. And they're like, oh, I know what that means. That means stop. Mm -hmm. And so that is one tool that we collectively have in our toolboxes that if, if nothing else, if you feel like a full stop, you can just be like, ah, I need an X card. And then be like, can we talk about butterflies? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that is one of the tools in my toolkit is just to use that, that mechanism that we all in gaming spaces are at least aware exist. So, sorry, dog toy just got <laughs> kicked as I was, um, about to say something. Uh, so to kind of scroll back a little bit, um, there was something that was, uh, we were talking about, um, how to approach things and bearing your belly and stuff. And a lot of um, we run a, a text based perpetual text based perpetual uh, Chronicles of Darkness environment. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the time um, when we're talking to people, um, we're talking to them uh, in a text based environment where body language is a little bit more difficult. And so we have to be a little bit more explicit, especially since a lot of our players are autistic or otherwise neurodiverse. And so I've found um, Sometimes it is good to handle things in a PM or off off the server. And that's a lot of times when you're dealing with things that are um, more personal, like you, you know, there's no reason you should know this, but I, I just had to put my cat to sleep. Okay. Right. But sometimes you have to handle things publicly because what you're doing is setting a standard of behavior for the space. Um, and when you do that, you have to be extra careful to not have it turn into a public castigation. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. So, so for example, um, say like Bob uses the word crazy in a pejorative way uh, in a casual dis out of character discussion. And so my general response to that is to say, hey, friend, 
Um, I'm not upset with you. I just want to let you know that in this environment, um, we don't use pejorative words for mental illness um, in, in public out of character spaces. That's just not something that we do here. Um, you're not in trouble. And if you'd like to talk to me more about it privately, I'd be happy to do that. So it's very similar to what you're, you're saying. Uh, but it, you also have to, I think that the difference there, right, is that you're setting a standard of behavior versus mm -hmm. addressing something that's personal. So when you're hitting a generalized, we don't ever do that here, right? I don't want that in this space. And I need to set that for everyone. You can handle it in one way. But when it's a more personal thing, you may, might want to handle it um, more directly. And I think, too, if you are handling things that are personal and more direct, or if even if you just need to talk to someone about something totally neutral, when you are coming from a place of authority, I always like when I reach out to players, I'll say, hey, um, when you have a second, I'd like to talk to you. You're not in trouble. I'm not upset with you. Like I will always lead with like, cause I could yeah. want to be talking to them, uh, talk to them about something positive. Right. Or where I just have a question, but gamers are anxious, anxious people for the most part. Like most of us have a lot of, whether it's, it's a mental illness, social anxiety, or just, you know, social anxiety in general. Um, cause we're nerds, you know, and that's how we roll. Um, we tend to have a lot of social anxiety and react badly to, can we talk, you know, cause that makes us think that we're getting called into the principal's office. And I maintain that it's because we're smart enough to see all the pure permutations of where oh, that totally. could go. Totally. And so many of them do not end well. No, do not end well. So if you say up front, Hey, I have a question for you. I need, to, I'd like to chat with you about something, nothing bad. You're not in trouble. This is positive. This is good. You know, I just want to talk to you about, you know, some some game stuff or whatever. People react so much better if you just preface things with, you know, or maybe it is, you know, hey, you know, there's there's something I need to talk to you about. It's not great. Um, but, you know, I don't hate you. I'm not mad at you. I just need to talk to you. Um, can you hit me up when you've got the mental space for it? Because a lot of us don't right now. You know, we may not be in a good place to receive whatever thorny issue needs to be dealt with. Yeah. So prefacing things, I think, is so important, especially right now. Because so many of us are so fragile right now. Like extra 9,000% right. fragile. Kitty? Yeah. I think... I. I it's interesting because I work in a couple of different spheres and some of them that's very helpful. And some of them, they will never get back to you. <laughs> if you give them an opportunity to get back to you when they're in the space, they'll just never be in the space. Uh, so there, there's definitely, um, I figured out some ways around that. Um, like for me, I like to condense like, here is the two sentence summary of what I want to talk to you about so that it has at least been addressed briefly. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but or, or I also, get, oops, sorry, go ahead. Um, but also like I try to encourage people to think of all feedback as good feedback mm -hmm. that like there is never like this, this is going to hurt you. Like this is going to be bad or this is going to be difficult. It's like, these are all lessons 
And yeah. like one thing that is really important to me as a consent educator is I share a lot about how I mess up because I think yeah. that by showing, again, showing my belly, by showing that vulnerability, it makes it a safe place to make mistakes. And again, it it's relying. And, and I mean, it relies on this belief that other people are acting in good faith. Not everyone is acting in good faith. Sometimes I get stabbed in the stomach. Like that's sometimes that happens. But to me, it's worth it to create an environment where feedback is an opportunity for us to learn rather than being a um, punishment, I guess, you know? Yeah. Oh, no, definitely. I definitely I agree. Had- I had a really interesting experience earlier this weekend. Time's a blur, so I'm not sure when, but I was moderating a panel and mm-hmm. the phrase blind playtest came up a couple of times. And I was like, oh, this is a panel about playtesting and how to be a good playtester. And I did not think ahead to prep the panelists for the fact that I would like us to transition away from that phrase. And pick something mm-hmm. else. And if he, in another year, in another month, I might have thought to think to say ahead, okay, what term do you want to use instead of this? And it mm-hmm. came up like three times in the conversation. And I was having this moment where I'm like, I don't know how this person is going to react on camera to mm-hmm. being corrected on that and to be called in. And then somebody in the text chat spoke up. And I'm like, okay, at this point, like, I I have an obligation. I have that community shaping responsibility to actually say something. And so I I was like, okay, deep breath. And the next time it came up, I'm like, hold on. So we have some visually impaired people in the community who have expressed to me that they would prefer that we use unguided rather than blind. And Mm -hmm. I was fully expecting and coming in with some bias and some I've you know I've suffered the microaggressions where a white dude of an age I expected that his response was going to be to blow me off and he gave me this big grin and he said thank you thank you for the correction and just like uh, in the middle of a broadcast I just sort of went okay whoa that went way better than I expected And so for people who are listening, who are terrified of that moment where you hear the slur word for somebody of Romani descent come out of someone's mouth in a Mm. gaming space, or Mm -hmm. hear somebody say that dumb bitch, and you go, did that really just happen? Like, there... If if you go from the perspective of bearing your belly, it is my experience that people go, oh, shit. I'm sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if you give people the opportunity to be decent people, most people are like, oh, cool. Okay. Um, again, not always true. I've definitely had experiences mm-hmm. with that. It's not been the case. Um, but I think... Most of the time. And I think what happens in those situations is other people see, oh, this thing got called in and they responded really well. Now I feel more confident being on Mm -hmm. either side of that, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is another advantage to doing it in public if that's appropriate, um, depending on on the situation. But like, yeah, I think I think it's really great. I mean, I was playing um, my. 
Dungeons and Dragons game. And I ended up like not really thinking about it, stumbling into this very weird, like non-consent manipulation situation where my character was engaging actively in this uncomfortable space. And I was just like, okay, hang on. Um, so here's what I'm seeing happening. And I feel like I'm writing myself into a corner and can we do this or like, can we negotiate it in this way so that I don't feel like a monster? <laughs> Cause yeah. I hadn't realized like I was doing what my character would do. And as I got deeper in, I was like, Ooh, Mm -hmm. This is uncomfortable for me. And I'm the one saying it. Like, I don't know what to do now. Um, and so as a group, we were able to, like, redirect it in a way that, like, lessened that and, like, dissolved the tension. And that was, it was great. You know, like, I felt very supported as a player. I felt like I was able to, like, withdraw from triggering myself, which is what was happening. And, like, I think other people in the group were like, oh, okay, I can do that even when it's me who put myself in the situation. Okay, that's yeah. cool. You know? That and, feels and very liberating. That feels very positive. Yeah, yeah, it is. Which, which kind of circles to some of the best things that we can do sometimes are um, modeling a positive reaction or a, a Teshuva-based reaction when we are called in um, ourselves. Because if, yes. you know, we stumble, as we will, because we are all human, um, and someone says, you should not do that. You hurt me. You know, you did this. We, or we, we would like to change this thing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And you go, oh, I didn't know. Thank you you not only have you know learned yourself and all of those good fun things um but you are modeling the way that you want people to react um and and you know i th i think that's one of the most positive things that we can do and i just realized i used a term that might not be uh familiar uh teshuva is a, a jewish concept uh and it is a concept uh that roughly aligns with the concept of restorative justice um, where uh, the, to, in order to making recompense for the things that you have done wrong. So which requires you to acknowledge and then make it right. So, right. Yeah, that's definitely a lot of my, a lot of my consent activism is around like learning how to apologize in new and exciting ways <laughs> um, without making it about you and your right. apology, which is another yep. big part of it, uh, right. which is like, I mean, I, I just found out that the person who did the five love languages did a thing about like five different types of apology. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is so useful because now I'm realizing why someone like fixing the problem but not acknowledging the problem does not make me feel better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so it was like, oh, yeah. that's so much. That's great information. Mm -hmm. Another thing I wanted to add really quickly is like, I love, um, tell, like, this is something I learned from, like, kink space, but, like, when someone says, hey, you stepped on my foot or, like, you did this thing, saying, oh, thank you for taking care of yourself. Like, responding to no and responding to feedback as, like, thank you for taking care of yourself. Thank you for trusting me mm -hmm. by telling me this is Absolutely. so Because it's mm -hmm. such, it's so scary for people to, to give you that feedback. And, like, 
big, like, you know, the, the secret that I I've experienced is it doesn't matter how harsh the feedback is. Someone could mm-hmm. literally be yelling at me on Twitter. But if I tell myself, this is a, still a thing of trust where this person, if they didn't think I was going to change the behavior or that I was going to listen to them, they would just wipe me out of their, out of their stream. They are coming to me because they believe that I want to do better on some level. So even if they're cursing me out, there is a, there is a tendril there that involves trust. And like that allows me to hear the good faith in that rather than get defensive. So that's, that's, interesting how how did you get there because that's of, that's some next <laughs> level stuff lots of patience lots of experience being on both sides of that um and uh i think it's really difficult to accept when you mess up especially as a community leader because as a community, especially as a consent leader, I'm expected to get it all, all right all the time. And I publicly do not. Um, and so I've had to let go of my own ego <laughs> quite a bit and okay. embrace that I am flawed, but I am trying to do better. And that being held accountable by my community is a way that my community shows that they love me. And I think by embodying that, which, you know, sometimes it's very difficult. Sometimes I need to walk away from the internet for a minute and like take a deep breath and smoke a cigarette and just like, okay. But like, it has helped me find a way to address that in a way that leaves both of us feeling heard, not necessarily better but heard the better comes later. Right. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it has been years of work, but it makes it much more of a relief now. And it's helped me a lot in establishing boundaries in my personal life in general, um, because I don't see it as an act of aggression anymore. Right. Um, So one of the things that I was hoping was to give people some practical either scripts or ways to practice their scripts. Um, So as an example, the the thing that inspired me to actually uh, put together the panel is we were all, um, we've got a big household of people that have been quarantining together from the beginning and we often watch TV together. And I don't remember what was on But I looked up and I shouted at the TV, we don't say that here. And the entire room looked at me and I'm like, what? I have not practiced on another human being in three freaking months. And they're like, oh, okay, carry on. And it occurred to me that um, identifying things that don't resonate with with your core values in media and saying, why would you say that? And mouthing back at the TV is actually a way to practice, one, identifying the feeling of that doesn't resonate with my values, right? Someone used the G word on, a, oh, yes, on uh, in a song title the other day. Mm. 
Uh, and I'm like, why? Why would you even let that go through the sensors? This is stupid. We bah, bah, bah. And I, I stopped and I'm like, oh, like a lot of what I'm doing is practicing so that when I am in this experience face to face with a person, I've already said it out loud. It has already come out of my mouth. I've already said, why would you say that? Mm-hmm. Or I'm not sure that you know that that's a slur. Or do you know that that like, can we talk about how that's been used historically? And so for me, it was kind of interesting to realize that one of the ways that I build and practice scripts is by mouthing off at the TV. Um, and so for people who are, <laughs> um, for people who are watching to specifically come out of this with some practicable things, um, do you have things that you've done to become more comfortable speaking up and and bearing your belly, or it, you know, in a lot of a lot of times I end up in situations where I'm I'm speaking up because I have to model that in this space we don't do that thing. Um, yeah. Well, that sounds hilariously familiar. for me, I think the thing that made me uh the best at doing those kind of things is being a parent. Um, because I had to teach my daughter how to do, you know, whatever it was. Um, and there's a a story, and I will tell you the very short version of the story um, from when Kat was in sixth grade, and she was being called the F word on the bus um, a lot. Uh, and we had gone, she had told the bus driver, and she had, you know, she had gone through all of the things, and they were not stopping the thing. And I said, okay, well, um, I give you permission. And I, I then took her and, and armed her with, like, do you know, I was like, do you know what that word means? I'm like, I know that you know that it's bad. Do you know what it means? And she said, I don't really. I said, okay, that's not a very nice word usually used about boys who fall in love with other boys. Okay. And um, so it's, it's used to say that, that that's bad. And we know that that's not bad in our house. And so like all of this was me saying like, being able to explain it to a 12 year old is really where I came into a lot of my ability, you know? And so she was, she then took that and went to the bus, you know, armed with that knowledge and I had made her safer. And when I was approaching it from the, the mindset of I am making someone else safer and arming them with knowledge, that was uh, that made me feel more powerful and more confident in being able to move forward and saying, hey, you can make other people stronger and you can make yourself safer by doing this thing, you know, and she she took it to the bus and, you know, there was a whole thing and they tried to tell me she had done the wrong thing. And I said, well, okay, well, you know, let's take that to the school board and we'll we'll see how they feel about that. But that's a whole other story. But I really approached <laughs> it from a parenting, you know, arming your kid, right? And obviously the people at your gaming table are not your children. But if you take that uh, teaching mindset, I think that tends to be the most powerful for me anyway, right? I, I'm not castigating people. I'm not, I'm, I'm arming them. I'm helping them. You know, I'm, I'm my social justice paladin that is handing out weapons and, and protecting people. So that's, where I got all of my experience from and that's where I take my mindset from. And I just, I mean, I'm on Twitter all the damn time. So, I mean, that's really where a lot of my practice comes in, you know, talking with younger people. Kitty. 
Oh, Twitter. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I am, I'm not always that patient on Twitter. I'll admit that. Um, I mean, either. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say otherwise. I do think social media is a good place to practice to some extent, um, especially, honestly, it is a great place to practice walking away. It's a great place mm-hmm. to practice, like, not having the last word, like, not engaging in a debate about something that you don't think is acceptable and just being like, it's not acceptable and I won't engage with you anymore. Done. <laughs> like, thank goodness yep. for the mute button. Um, yep. I use it a lot because <laughs> then yeah. they don't know and they can keep doing whatever it is they're doing and I don't have to to see it. I mean, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, I do this stuff all the time. So I sort of practice constantly. Um, and I want to be very real. It is exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um because there comes a point, I mean, you know, on, on Facebook, people will message me and say, hey, somebody else said something on my wall. Please come in and sort them out. And I, it's not my job. Um, I yeah. hope that I can encourage other people to do that. But like, um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I want to be brutally honest, even though there are ways to make it more positive for yourself. It is tiring. It is super tiring. I got a feminist killjoy tattoo because I was told so much that I was a feminist killjoy. I didn't get invited to parties for a long time. Like, even when you're doing it in the nicest way possible, people are still going to think that you are a bitter person who doesn't like fun. Right. Yeah. And that's just, that's just facts. Like, and that sucks honestly. So like, I, I do think it's important to be realistic that like, we do not live in a society that encourages consent. And we do not live in a society that rewards having conversations about consent um, with any sort of nuance or um, vulnerability. We don't reward vulnerability at all, especially in the United States. So um, yeah, it's, it's, a muscle that hurts to stretch sometimes. Um, So it's good to practice. It's also good to give yourself some breaks. I don't have that conversation every time. I, I pick my battles. And I, so a lot of my experience comes from uh, fans of the insane clown posse, the juggler who I talk to a lot and who say a lot of messed up stuff. And uh, I have learned how to meet them where they're at. Um, And that was for me as a, as an angry leftist, a really important skill. Cause I was used to like, you need to read the materials and you need to like be up to date on all of these things. And with the jugglers, I was like, okay, good faith. In good faith, they're not trying to hurt me specifically, mm-hmm. and they're not aware. And it is unfair of me to expect them to have this education that is frankly a very white, very like liberal, upper middle class education. I can't project that out to other people. Right. So how do I 
act in good faith and meet them where they're at. My favorite story of that was I was in a um, conversation on Facebook and one of the juggalos I know kept saying like, oh, you know, that's so gay. That's so, that's so gay. And I was like, I'm sorry. I think you'll find that's an extremely heterosexual thing to say. Don't put this on us. This is entirely you guys. And he just stopped. It was like, huh, you know what? You're right. It was like meeting him in that trolling way mm-hmm. allowed me to break through in a way that like being sensitive would not have worked. Yeah, That is know, a weird skill though. And it does not work everywhere. I could not do that with, with leftists. <laughs> disarming with humor is, is very real. Um, being able to to de-escalate and that's a skill to learn and you can only get there by practicing it a lot and messing up sometimes yeah you know like <laughs> you're gonna Going one right? step too far you're, yeah you know um and but disarming with humor is 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 wonderful and and that is honestly that's one of my favorite jokes but also when to kind of piggyback off of that when someone says uh, my one of my favorite tactics when someone says a horribly sexist, horribly homophobic, you know, one of those things, especially when they're making a joke, is to blink and say, I'm sorry, I don't understand. Can you explain it to me? Yes. Because yes. great for racism. They expect you, well, transphobia, especially, mm-hmm. that that's, that's, I mean, like, that's where I end up using it a lot, specifically, is transphobia. Um, is I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't understand. Can you explain that to me? And now I sound really sarcastic right now, I know, because I that's my inner voice, right? Right. But when, when you can put when I can put on my biggest, widest, like, gosh, I don't get it. Can you explain it to me? Like it completely disarms and diffuses a lot of of that stuff because, you know, especially and I'm going to point a finger a lot of times when you get the, the cis hat white dude that is making the horrible joke that we're all supposed to laugh uncomfortably at because it's a power play on his part. Okay. Um, when you meet that at a neutral, I don't, I don't get it. What are you talking about? It's like the dog that caught the bumper of the car. They don't know what to do. And they mm-hmm. can't explain it to you because that requires them to lay it out. So that is a really powerful tool. The, the I don't I don't get it. What are you talking about? I don't I don't I don't get the meet the dog whistle by calling it out. You know, yeah. don't don't respond to it the way that they they want you to. You know, look at the elephant in the room and say you don't know what an elephant is. Make them explain to you what an elephant is. They don't want to because you're supposed yeah. to respond with the elephant. Anyway, yes. So one of the things that I find that happens instinctively for me uh, is that I will get right down to the the brutalist truth of it. And so mm-hmm. I kind of sometimes go the other direction where, mm-hmm. as an example, at some point I was at an event and someone came up behind someone else, a, a, a dude, a straight dude came up behind another dude and pretended to mount him from behind. Oh, Lord. And and I whipped around and I was like, I don't understand. Was that funny because it was homophobic or because it was a rape joke? <laughs> In the silence, everybody froze. I've never seen I like that that 
everybody that was in earshot of that moment transitioned and I haven't dealt with any more rape jokes. I haven't dealt with any more uh, anti-queer jokes. I have not dealt with any more domestic violence jokes from that group because I just mm -hmm. reached out and was like, so which part of that was funny? Right. Um, and the, my, it's so gay at some point I just like, I hit a point where I could not deal with it. Like I, I would correct it very lightly and be like, Hey, that's actually like, don't be shitty. And at some point I finally whipped around on someone in front of a group of people. And I'm like, okay, I need to understand why you dislike this person so much. And he turns around and he goes, what? And I said, I know so-and-so has been out of the closet for fucking ages. And if the worst thing you can come up with is gay, then mm -hmm. clearly the worst person you can come up with is this person. And it was a town cupcake, right? It was somebody right. that everybody adores and loves. Right. And I'm like, so if it's so gay is the worst thing you can come up with, what did yep. he do to piss in your Wheaties? And there was just, again, this collective pause. And they were like, um... And funny, that community doesn't use that so gay anymore. Right. I was just like, I just need you to explain what he did that was so terrible. And they were like, Auntie just called us out and we make no sense. Yeah. And I, I think all of these things that we're talking about, too, it's really important to, to stress again that there is no one size fits all answer to any of these situations. Right. Yeah. We just gave a whole list of different ways that people can... Uh, respond to that's so gay, right? It, it, or whatever the thing is, right? There, there's a whole toolbox. And we're not going to be able to give you the right answer that's going to work 100% of the time. It's going to be a thing that, you know, you're going to have to look at this box and say, how do I respond in this moment? And sometimes you're going to mess up. Um, but the only thing that you can do is have the toolbox open in front of you and be aware that those tools are there and use them as often as you can. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like some of those examples, like tried to do that with juggalos, like it'd go right over their heads. Like they would just go deeper in. And right. so it, it is, it is interesting cause it's such a different social yeah. um, group really, right. but like their dynamics are very different. <laughs> In fact, the like most fun thing for a lot of them is to rustle each other's jimmies. They just mm -hmm. love to mess with each other and yeah. get each other worked up. And so like it's weird to be like, oh, right. This is not a space where I can bear my belly in this way. Mm -hmm. This is a space where I have to be like, oh, you think you're alpha, but you're not. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. right. And that that right. works better there. Um, but you know, again, in like a, a queer environment that would not be as appropriate. So it's like, right. you got to yeah. test. And I mean, I definitely tried the, like, I don't understand, explain this to me thing on jugglers for a long time. And it was. Because then they tried to different explain. Environments. <laughs> and, or, or they would just be like, they would just be very dismissive. And, right. you know, at some point I was like, okay, I mean, to be fair, like I, I kind of had to take the L myself and acknowledge um, that I was coming from a place of privilege and expectations that were not right. universal. Yep, um, right. And once I started pulling back on that and being like, okay, well, what is universal? What do they care about? And how do right. I work within that? And like trolling a troll is, is a weird and fun experience 
if yep. you can get into that, like if you can harden your your outsides enough to like go in and do it, it could be super fun. But that's not for everybody, and it definitely doesn't work in every circumstance. Uh, we have a question from the audience that I wanted to touch on, which is, um, and we've kind of danced around this in that it's different based on communities. Is it better for the GM to take the lead in calling people in, or is it better to curate a space where players feel comfortable calling each other in? Um, and so does one of you want to start on that? So I I can speak to it from the space that we've tried to create with with From Dust Till John, which is our, our perpetual uh, Chronicles of Darkness game. We have tried, I, I think that the answer has to be both. Uh, and I know that may sound like a, a, a cop-out, but I really don't think that it is. Um, so y- you want to model the behavior that you want, set clear guidelines. We have um, best practices pages on our wiki and, you know, things that like, and it's a living document. We update it. Everyone has, you know, we have all the things that we want for people to use for communication tools. And we've modeled that behavior and then we've also empowered players and made it an expectation in our game that we are not the immediate arbiters of your comfort and that we want you as players to talk to each other. Because one of the things that we ran into when we had run previous games was that players were not talking to each other and they were immediately running to staff every time there was a problem. And so we ended up being mommy and daddy in between bickering teenagers is what it felt like a lot of the time. So the first thing we say is that, like, unless someone has done something, you know, so over the top um, that you really need us to deal with it immediately, the first thing you have to do is take your discomfort to that other person and address it like adults. And we expect you both to meet each other with the presumption that you are acting in each other's best interests. And, and, you know, as, as was said by Kitty, you know, everyone's coming from a place of best intentions. So I think you have to create the environment you want and empower your players, but also you have to constantly lead by example. There's, there's no one or the other. It's gotta be both. Yeah. I mean, I think, sorry, I have a, I have a kitten. Hi baby. You have a kitten and I've got a puppy. So Ah. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I would say for me, I personally, and I mean, I'm coming from mostly playing like tabletop RPGs. Um, I definitely prefer to create a community where people can call each other in because sometimes it's the GM. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, if you have a situation where everybody is comfortable enough in calling each other in, then it doesn't matter who it is. There's no, you're acknowledging that the power dynamic at the table is that everyone's equal. Even if one person is creating the container, that they are not mm-hmm. sort of a, um, a judge um, yeah. that gets to decide whether something is or is not acceptable. Um right. And for tabletop RPGs, that's to me, that's been useful. I do expect that a person who is creating a container for a space will respect the voices of other people and will like 
back that person up. Mm -hmm. That they don't necessarily have to notice everything. And they, I don't, I, I try to stay away from the like tattling uh, kind of back and forth. Cause like, yeah, it's exhausting for, again, literally everyone. And it insists yeah. on not believing that people are acting in good faith. But yep. um, yeah, if I need to address something with another player, I do expect the person who is running the table, running the space to have my back. Yep. Um, but I mean, honestly, like I work really hard to cultivate spaces and to be in spaces where we all have each other's back. Yeah. So when someone's like, hey, I'm not into this or like, hey, that's really weird for me. We're all like, oh, okay, cool. Like, then let's do it this other way. What do you think about this? And like, we all try to problem solve together. And actually, this is a really good tool. Do you want advice or sympathy? Sometimes yes. someone is complaining to you and they don't want advice from you. And we all love to give advice, but it's not yes. always necessary. Sometimes someone just wants to complain and, it's, and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, sometimes we need that. Right, right, Camille? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we are at, at eight minutes. There was also a complicated question about, um, so I'm just going to say there was a question about how to handle communities that don't use safety tools in good faith, and that is way outside of the scope of this particular conversation. Um, so I'm going to postpone that and you can email me at Avenel at Dexposure and I will connect you with resources for how to handle that. But that is like a deeper dive. Oh, connect okay. them with me. I would be okay. happy to have that conversation. In fact, I could be tempted to have that conversation as part of the consent festival happening at the end of November. So awesome. Yeah, and yeah. I put, <laughs> I put the link for the consent, uh, festival at the top of the chat, like awesome. the very first thing, uh, that got posted. Awesome. Thank you. Because I just, I feel like that's yes. than we can That is a really important question. And I am happy to go yeah. into that depth. Like that's the crunchy stuff that I do all the time. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I just, <laughs> it's, like, but I'm it's, a, it's a big conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big um, conversation. So we are almost out of time. Do uh, I want to start with uh, Kitty and then Spider and then I'll add any last thoughts. <laughs> oh, I'm trying I'm trying to just prevent the kitten from getting oh. onto the keyboard. Um <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that it this is a super important conversation and I think like the best advice I could offer is like it really embrace the fact that we're always learning. And like it's so cool to learn about people and to learn about yourself and to learn where boundaries are and that they shift and like sometimes you're up for it and sometimes you're not. And like, that's part of the beauty and horror that is being human. <laughs> um, so I think like really leaning into that is, uh, is going to be helpful um, in, in making this all a, an easier experience. Spider? I think that um to very, very briefly kind of touch on that complicated question, but also to kind of hit last thoughts. Sometimes communities are not healthy. And the best thing that you can do for yourself in terms of, you know, you can be as well-intentioned as you are, as, you, as possible, but you are not responsible for fixing every community. 
and you are not responsible for having every answer all the time. And sometimes the best thing that you can do for yourself and maybe even for that community is to not be part of it. And if a community is, is so toxic uh, that you are not making any headway and you are hurting yourself, it is okay to give yourself permission to leave. You are yep. not failing by leaving. Like you're not. You are making yourself safe and that's okay. Like I left an extremely toxic community about five years ago and it, I had been in it for 15 years and I thought that it was my responsibility to fix that community and that I was failing and uh, that I was letting them win by leaving. Okay. That I was giving up. But the reality is I am way healthier now. I am way stronger now. And uh, I am way more involved in healthier communities that I can have a better impact on. So it's not uh, terrible to walk away. And it's also not terrible to stop and rest. Um, I said this to people yesterday about the election. Um, I had to have it enforced on me when I was doing physical therapy after spinal surgery. You have to stop and rest because your muscle fibers build when you're resting. Right. So work, then rest, then work, then rest. You have to do it. Self-care yeah. is important. So. so in the realm of uh, you're not responsible for fixing every community, I think my closing thought is that, and then we're going to go around and everybody will state where we can be found on social media. Um, I don't pry, don't inflict my will on a community that hasn't agreed to that in a long-term way. So if a community doesn't agree and there isn't consent that having these conversations matter in a long-term way, I remove myself, right? Someone's being a bigot on the bus and it's making the bus driver miserable. I will speak up and be like, look, he doesn't get paid enough to put up with your shit. Um, But in a long-term way, if I'm hitting my head against a wall and like, God, this culture is really awful or this is making me really miserable and they don't want to change, then that's not my job and that's up to them to figure out. And I'm not going to make everybody miserable by insisting that I stay there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Reverse order this time. Spider, where do people find you on social media? Uh, you can find me literally everywhere as VA Spider, as in virtual adept spider. Um, Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, um, literally everywhere. And you can also find uh, my company on um, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook is Nerdy Kepi, N E R D Y K E P P I E. Um, and um, our we pushed back the launch of our next kickstarter but uh, it will be launching on monday and you can find the details um at proud to the bone to the bone.com okay uh kitty i am kitty striker on everything that i can get kitty striker on um and that's k-i-t-t-y s-t-r-y-k-e-r i will say that my twitter does sometimes have explicit content I try mm. to limit that as much as possible, but just so you know and aren't surprised, sometimes there's porn there. Um, <laughs> just just to get that out of the way. Um, and uh, yeah, so the Consent Festival, we're going to have a website 
hopefully on Monday, um, which will be uh, announced on all of my social media. So if you follow me on Twitter or on Facebook, I have uh, officially Kitty Striker is my like public facing Facebook page. You can follow me there. You can follow me on Instagram. Um, yeah. Oh, so I linked to, I grabbed a link that was not yours. And so people listening to the panel, uh, the Festival of Consent that I linked to is not the one that Kitty's organizing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I saw November and was like, oh, I found it. Yeah, um, I can, I can, uh, um, uh, if actually, if you go to my Facebook, I'm posting stuff about it. There's like a Facebook event page for it, but just to make it easier, just go to my social media. You'll find links for it. The official link will go up on Monday. <laughs> so awesome. perfect. Um, and I'm Avenel uh, everywhere. I, if I, there aren't very many Avenels that are not, uh, elderly black women. So if you find one on social media, it is probably me. Um, we all know each other, however. So if you reach out to one of them looking for me and it's something social justice oriented, they'll send it to me. Uh, I send them their <laughs> dentist notifications. Uh, Avenel is, I, I'll drop it into the thing. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. You can find me through double exposure. I will be over on the panel on the panel uh, watch party channel on the main double exposure discord. And awesome. I think that's everything. Any last thoughts? No. Oh, Thank you so much. That was fantastic. Yeah. It just occurred to me one way that you can find stuff relating to the cassette festival that is live is hashtag I do consent. That's going to be where everything happens. So you can follow that hashtag on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, and you should be able to find it that way. That's brilliant. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Metatopia, for joining us. There were 25 of you in this conversation, wow. and I'm so glad you were here. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much.